Tonight I want to talk about a situation you will almost certainly face in your Christian life. And it's not easy. And it can be disorienting when you're in it, that's for sure. So let me describe it in three qualities and see if these resonate with you. Number one, you, you find yourself in life and in the spiritual life in a new and harder place. It was not that long ago you were kind of on a, a spiritual role. You could feel God's presence and it, it, it was like you were enjoying this warm sunny day and all of a sudden a cold front came in and the wind started blowing and the temp dropped like 15, 20 degrees in 24 hours. And you're now kind of wondering like, what is God doing? Maybe your calling seems postponed, or maybe the circumstances you're suddenly in almost seem to contradict what God has promised. Number two, you, you feel alone. Could be you've lost some social supports that were there, or maybe it's, even if you're around people, you have this sense of kind of an inner off to yourself or isolation. And number three, you feel tempted. For reasons you don't fully understand, you seem to be more tempted now than less, and you thought at this point in your Christian life, these kind of temptations would not even kind of be attractive to you, and yet there they are, and they're coming, and they're fierce. How many of you have experienced a season or a situation akin to what I'm describing there? I'm seeing some nods and some hands, yeah. In Bible terms, this experience might be called the wilderness. The wilderness. I'm guessing in a group this size, some of you are there right now. Others of you, you may be. Before too long, you don't know. Now, if you're like me, when you find yourself in the wilderness, you start asking questions like, um, God... What is going on? <laughs> or what is wrong with me? I thought, is, is it I don't have enough faith? Or how did I end up here? And it is very natural to ask questions like that. I, I have and no doubt will again. But the answer to how did I end up here may surprise you. Because your wilderness or mine might have nothing to do with what we suddenly did wrong. It might actually have to do with what God is doing right. Let me show you what I mean. In our gospel reading tonight from Mark, we join Jesus for one of the biggest events in his life. If you look there at Mark 1 and verse 9. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, had to walk quite a distance, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. So there were huge crowds going out there. So you can kind of picture Jesus standing in line, waiting his turn to be baptized. And then he scrambles down the bank and steps into the water um, and goes under the muddy water, just like everybody else before him in line. But when Jesus comes up out of the water uh, and, and water's dripping off his hair, he sees the heavens torn open. 
It's like he has this dramatic immediacy of the presence of God. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, glides down and rests upon him. There's this tremendous anointing. And then everybody standing there hears the voice from heaven. You're my son. I love you. You make me so happy. Think of a time when God seemed utterly real to you. Maybe it was at a conference or something and the, the extended time of worship and teaching and prayer, you just felt really close to God. You felt joy. Or maybe you connect with God outside and you were walking outdoors and the tall spruces were kind of like a cathedral for you and you felt a peace and you knew that God was near. Well, Jesus has that kind of moment, but like to the nth degree of it's just honor and affirmation and anointing and confirmation. It's, he has, you'd think, he now has everything he needs to go start the work that God has given him to do. We would expect Jesus to go straight from verse 11 and then jump over to verse 14. So we would expect a voice from heaven said, you're my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. And the next syllable is, Jesus went into Galilee where he proclaimed the good news. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't we? But that is not what happens to Jesus and it is not what often happens to you or to me. Instead, Jesus has to go through verse 12. The spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. Now, why the wilderness? Some of you have traveled to Israel or Egypt or the Mediterranean. You know that where Jesus lives, the wilderness is not like off a Sierra Club calendar. It's not this dense forest and Bambi comes down to the brooks to drink. No, it's, it's like the surface of the moon. It is hot. It is barren. It is rocky. It is dusty. And it's so different. I mean, at his baptism, Jesus is standing in flowing water. And now, out here in the wilderness, it's just dry. People die of thirst out here. Um, you know, and, and at his baptism, Jesus hears the Father say, you are my son whom I love. I just love you. And now, he's out in the wilderness, and there's nothing but a howling wind that makes the silence even more eerie. At his baptism, Jesus is surrounded by people. But here in the wilderness, he is utterly alone. You look as far as you can in that direction. You look as far. In, there's nothing out here. Just Arabian leopards that prowl at night. Horned vipers that slide down into the ground so you can only see their head sticking up. And how did Jesus get into this wilderness and how do you and I get into ours? Not by accident. The Spirit compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. The exact same precious Holy Spirit from God that came down on Jesus and anointed Jesus and gave him power then thrusts him into this place of barrenness. The word here is very strong. It's not like Matthew and Mark say he was, or Matthew and Luke say he was led and the Spirit led him into the wilderness. This is like shot him out of a cannon into the wilderness. 
And yet that is the work of the Spirit of God. The first time Karen served on a church staff, um, she was a ministries coordinator at a vineyard church. And under her leadership, she raised up a women's ministry and that was going well. And, and then, uh, then a food pantry. Um, and uh, then she developed a team that would plan all church events. And she even recruited a guy to lead the men's ministry and helped him get started. And so one day the, the pastor, Tim, came to her and just said, Karen, everywhere I look in this church, I see fruit from your ministry. I mean, it's very affirming. Well, not long after that, the church invited a guest speaker from Pennsylvania, a woman named Greta, to come and speak in our morning service. And we didn't know her, nobody in the church except for one person. And after Greta preached, she began like walking up and down the aisle, like here. And she would sometimes stop at somebody's chair and she would pray for them or speak a word to them. And so, for example, she stopped at this one couple in our church who had just gotten clearance from their mission agency to go to the mission field. In fact, they had just sold their home that week. And she said, I see you on a mission station and began praying this really strengthening word for them. So, you know, and everybody was kind of like, you know. <laughs> well, when she got to Karen, she looked at her and paused and she said this. She said, you're being cut back and cut back. And you say, Lord, why? Why, Lord? And he says, so you know that you know that you know that I called you and not man, says the Lord. After the service, we went over and found the woman who had invited Greta. And we said, okay, that is the exact opposite of what's going on for Karen in her life right now. So either she's not a prophet or she's not a very good one. <laughs> so, understandably, the woman was a little defensive. <laughs> But she handled it all right. She said, she just said this. She said, why don't you write it down and we'll just see. Well, about two months after that, someone asked Tim the pastor, hey, why can't Karen be named a pastor? She's doing all the stuff the other pastors do. Which led it to the elder board to try to decide that question because the church had never decided that. And the elder board was gridlocked on it. A little complicated. I was one of them. Um, and Pastor Tim realized, I just can't decide. And in his uh, indecision or ambiguity, I guess you might say, and he's a sweet guy. We love him. But uh, it, what happened was then it started drifting out to people in the church, and they began taking sides. And so finally, Karen and I decided, you know, for the well-being of this church and for our own sanity, uh, uh, we're going to have to go. We're going to have to leave. Well, you talk about cut back. Oh, man. And in a wilderness, you will find, just as Jesus did, that the Spirit compels you to a place where Satan will tempt you. In your wilderness you will feel the lack of something. 
You will feel it acutely. And therefore, Satan will come to you and say, here's the relief for that. And what he puts in the relief box for you is not what God has in his mind about how he's going to address this. You know, Jesus is gnawing and hungry from food, so Satan's like, I don't know why you're starving. If you're the son of God, do something, prove it. Feed yourself, take care of this. Well, Karen felt the lack of justice. She felt the lack of ministry opportunity. She felt the lack of being protected. And so she swore off going to church. I started going to church on my own. But out there in the wilderness, she did not give up on God. And in the barrenness, God was actually doing something deep. I just really want to encourage you that the wilderness is not the end of the story for you. It leads to something. Here's what it did for Jesus. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Jesus comes out of the wilderness and he is a man with a message and the courage to deliver it. Do you notice those words after John was arrested? John's his cousin. John's six months older. He's one of the people he's closest to in the whole world. And John speaks up to Herod and says, you should not be sleeping with your brother's wife. And Herod, being a tyrant, arrests John and puts him in a cold, dark jail. And now Jesus has found this courage in the wilderness that he is not going to be pushed around. And, I mean, can you think about, like, your cousin has just been arrested, and you're going to start a ministry where you're going to speak up, and you know it is going to bring you into direct conflict with Herod. And you know what your cousin just got. But when you have faced down Satan in the wilderness, you can face down some miniature satanic little puppet like Herod. Jesus actually calls him that fox. Well, that kind of guts gets in you in the wilderness. You go to a burning desert to get a burning message. The wilderness is what gets you ready for your work. You know, sometimes people come to Karen these days and they'll say, usually a woman after she's had a bad experience in church leadership, and she's like, how have you been able to pioneer? Like, you're still standing. How do you put up with all the flack? And, and the answer is this. The Spirit of God compelled her into the wilderness until she knows that she knows that she knows that God called me and not any man. So I wonder tonight, what is God, what could he work in you in a wilderness? I actually asked some people who've been there and uh, several of them shared, so I want to share some of those. First person said, in the wilderness, I couldn't read the Bible. I couldn't pray. I just needed to let God hold me. But I learned God is holding me. The next person said, 
You're not as strong as you thought you were, but that's okay. The next person, sometimes you can't change a toxic culture. You can't always save everyone from it. Sometimes you need to remove yourself because you are worth saving and protecting. This next one I, I really like. I was lying on my couch, gazing out at the tree in winter and heard, I want you to gather manna, not acorns. Meaning, stop trying to store up everything you think you'll need and instead, trust me for your daily bread. Another one, I want the healer more than the healing. Well, friends, these are holy. You don't get this quickly or easily. This is chiseled into you out in the wilderness. But they will be there and I'm telling you what, will, what you will notice as you come back out of the wilderness is that you are able to bless people in a fuller way where you're not even conscious of it. You don't have to push. There's just this life that flows from you to them. Uh, you may be in the wasteland right now, but your time there is not wasted. All right, so I wrote a prayer to kind of capture how I was feeling about all this after working on the sermon and see if it expresses your heart too. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for obeying the Spirit and going into the wilderness where you were alone and so painfully tempted. Thank you for choosing to stay there and not coming out until the Father led you back out and you had a burning message from him and the courage to speak it. Thank you tonight that None of us have a wilderness that is an accident, but part of your plan. When I feel utterly alone and vulnerable and fiercely tempted, remind me that you are with me in the wilderness and you will bring me out even stronger than before. Amen.